Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Back in verse 7 of our text, it says, And let it be when these signs come upon you. This sign is literally a miracle. When, when these things happen, because they were, they were miracles. That's what the, the gift of uh, the word of knowledge, that was a miracle. Samuel didn't have that, all those facts together. God gave him those facts, gave him the people. Tomorrow about this time, you're going to see three guys. This is going to happen, this is going to happen. And oh, by the way, after you leave there, you're going to go over here, and this is what's going to happen. And oh, by the way, when you go over there, the Spirit of God's going to come upon you, and you're going to prophesy. And Saul, uh, Saul's probably just going, okay. Hi, and thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, our scripture says, Then the Holy Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. This reception of the Holy Spirit was the real anointing. The oil that was poured out on Saul's head was just a picture of this. A gallon of oil could go on his head, but if the Spirit of the Lord did not come upon him, it would mean nothing. God arranged for each one of the three events documented in this chapter to be assigned to Saul. God always confirms his anointing. As born-again Christians, we should always pray for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk in the ways of God. Now here's Pastor Rob. It's called the Spirit of God. He's going to take that old rebellious sinful nature and he's going to put a lid on it. Aren't you glad? And the scary thing is we have the opportunity to remove that lid and open up a little bit and let it kind of seep out. It's not God's desire for that. So he says, he will be with you and he shall be in you. And now fast forward three or four days from then when when Jesus finally, on the day of his resurrection, that very evening, what does it say in John chapter 20, verse 19? It says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, a Sunday evening... When the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, he stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And notice, Jesus said, As the Father sent me, I am going to send you. And what does he do before he sends them? Does he say you're on your own? Go out in your own strength, guys. I did all the work on the cross. No, he empowers them. He gives them the Spirit of God. And so he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And this is a very important doctrine in the Bible. And we're pretty much going through it right now. Because it's the first time in the, since we've been in the Old Testament that this really has kind of come up. But it's good to remember these things. 
So we have the Spirit of God coming alongside of us, finally indwelling us as the disciples had. And every believer who believes in Christ now receives the Spirit of God in them. In fact, the disciples would say, or the, um, the, uh, the Apostle Paul, I believe, if the Spirit of God is not in you, you are not a Christian. You're none of his. So somebody can tell you, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Well, that's fine and good, but are you born again? And they think that's a cult or something. I'll ask somebody, are you, are you, a, you, know, um, are you born again? And they'll say, well, I'm Catholic. But, but, but are you born again? And there's people even fellowshipping in this church that have been coming, sitting. On Sunday morning, there's many who come. I, I, hopefully there's none, but I know there's a few. It's all up here. The change hasn't happened here yet. And praise God that they're still here, right? Because they need to hear it. And at some point, the Lord's going to arrest them. And that's a mystery only that God can do. I can't do it. No, none of us can. And so the Spirit of God comes in you. And, and that's the experience of the church. But that's not, that's not all. That, that's the assurance of salvation. That's the down payment, isn't it? Until Jesus comes and takes us from the earth and, and raptures us and gives us a new body. That's the down payment. But it gets better than that because that is fine and good, but I also need power. Like I said before, I need strength to go out. I need boldness. Does anybody here need boldness? Raise your hand if you need boldness out in the world. Because guess what? You are in enemy territory. Nobody wants to hear it anymore. But they must hear it. They must hear the truth. And how are they going to hear it unless, they, unless God has a vessel who's emboldened and loving, in love, emboldened in love. Not the guy who stands on the corner and says, you guys are all going to hell because, you know. I mean, you see people like that? It's like, does that sound attractive to you or not? It doesn't sound attractive to me. I'm like, I want to get away from this guy. No, God doesn't yell at people. He doesn't call them names. Remember, there was a church down in Texas. Uh, I mean, I won't even repeat what they said. It was horrible, the things that they said to people on the street. I can't even, I don't even want to tell you. But there's another relationship that we need with the Spirit of God, and it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's when the Spirit of God comes upon you. And we see it in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Let me read it to you. So this Acts chapter 1 verse 4 is after the resurrection, but just before Jesus' ascension. And it says, being assembled together with them, because really the book of Acts picks up where Luke left off at the resurrection. So being assembled together with them, he commanded them what? To not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. What is the promise of the Father? It was given in Joel's Joel's, uh, prophecy that the Spirit of God in the last days would come upon his sons and daughters. He would come upon them. And so he says, wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized, speaking of John the Baptist, baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In fact, it would be about 40 days from then. They would be baptized the day of Pentecost, 40 days after Pentecost, or after the Passover. I'm sorry, 40 days he ascended, and then 50 days is actually Pentecost. Sorry about that. So not many days from now, he says, Therefore, when when they had come together, they asked him and saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But notice what he says in verse 8. But you shall receive 
power, that's the word dunamis, that's where we get our word dynamite from, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There we have it. And then we find in Acts chapter 2, as they wait there in Jerusalem, the promise of the Father does come. Jesus says, wait for the promise in Jerusalem. I'm coming. I'm going to give you that promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit upon you. And what was the purpose of it? Read Acts chapter 2, and you'll see that the Lord gave them boldness. He also gave them supernatural gifts to share the truth with people who had not heard it before. The truth about Jesus Christ. They knew about Judaism. But they needed to hear the wonderful news of Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. And God empowers them with great boldness, great love. I tell you what, when those two ingredients are together, you are unstoppable in the hand of God. To be so bold, but yet to be so filled with God's love. Think of that. Some people are really bold, but they don't really have a lot of love. Like those guys on the corner, screaming at people, yelling, telling them that they're all going to hell. (laughs) A lot of boldness there, but that's about it. There's no love of God there. But when you combine the both of them, when you can look at somebody and they know that you love them, and you're saying it in a way where they know you care for them, and they can sense it. They can sense it. And that's the Spirit of God in you, emboldening you to do it. And so pray for the baptism of the Spirit. You can't live without it. I can't live without the Spirit of God. Pray for it every single day. And say, Lord, when it's your turn, when when it's your will for this to happen, you do it, Lord. I don't need to be aware of it. Just make it happen. I don't care. Make me effective for you. Make me a bold, loving witness wherever you go. You just have to show up and open your mouth and let God do the rest. And when he sees fit, when there's people in front of you that really need to hear it and he needs to embolden you, he needs to give you something that he gave to Peter on that day of Pentecost, trust me, if it's his will, he's going to do it and you're going to be totally blessed. You're going to be lit up like a Christmas tree because your whole heart is going to be thumping. You're going to be so excited and you're going to have this joy on your face and you're going to be sharing and loving these people that you're talking to. And boy, that changes everything. It changes everything. That's why we need that. We need it today, folks. The church is lacking in that. I'm lacking in that. We need that every single day, as much as the Lord wants to give. I just have to be open for it. Am I willing to receive it? Back in verse 7 of our text, it says, And let it be when these signs come upon you. This sign is literally a miracle. When when these things happen, because they were, they were miracles. That's what the the gift of uh, the word of knowledge, that was a miracle. Samuel didn't have that, all those facts together. God gave him those facts, gave him the people. Tomorrow about this time, you're going to see three guys. This is going to happen, this is going to happen. And oh, by the way, after you leave there, you're going to go over here, and this is what's going to happen. And oh, by the way, when you go over there, the Spirit of God's going to come upon you, and you're going to prophesy. And Saul, Saul's probably just going, okay. But that's what this word means, the signs in verse 7. It literally means a signal, it's evidence, it's a miracle, it's a token. And he says, You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Notice what he says. Seven days you're going to have to wait for me, Saul. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you shall do. Now, if we fast forward a couple of chapters, we're going to see... Saul getting to 
Gilgal finally, and he's there for seven days. And it says in verse 8 of 1 Samuel 13 that he waited. He's there waiting for Samuel seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And so Saul said, bring on a burnt offering and the peace offerings here to me. And notice, and he offered the burnt offering. Is Saul a Levite? No, he's from Benjamin. Was he supposed to be doing the offering? Didn't Samuel say, wait for me? Isn't Samuel a Levite? Wasn't he supposed to do it? Isn't that what he asked Saul to wait for him? And isn't it just like the Lord sometimes to wait till the 11th hour? We're praying. And the 11th hour, God shows up. And what does that do in us? It works patience. We want it the first day. God says, wait for me. I'm going to do something. In three days, I'm going to do something. So the first day, you know, if he did it, that'd be, that'd be really great. But sometimes he waits till the third day at 2,300 hours and 59 minutes. There's one second go on the clock, and the Lord comes through. Sometimes he does that. Is it because he's cruel, or is, he, is, is that teaching us patience? There's something in the waiting, right? There's something in the journey of when God does stuff. And so Saul is here waiting for Samuel for seven days, and it's the seventh day. Nothing's happening. So he's like, well, I'm going to take matter in my own hands. And this was the death blow to his faith. This was the thing that God says, you know what? I can't have a man who's self-willed. And not only wasn't he willing to wait, because he saw the people kind of dispersing from him, and so to gather the people unto himself, he had to take matters in his own hands. So he does. And notice what happens. Now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, Samuel showed up. Oops. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw the people were scattered from me, and that you didn't come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have, to, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled <laughs> and offered a burnt offering. And you see, I think that can happen to a lot of us. We're just not patient. We're not willing to wait. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he, which he commanded you. For now, notice how it seems like this was like a mistake that Saul made, and God just hit him right on the head with it. He didn't give him you know, a lot of opportunities, or at least it's not recorded for us. But God knew Saul's heart. And this was one thing that God just says, you've disqualified yourself, Saul, from being king. Not only were you disobedient, you put your hand to the altar, which you're not supposed to do. You know better than that. And so Samuel upbraids him, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And who is that? David. He says, I have sought for, God has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him now to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And that must have been a real bitter pill for him. You know, we don't always understand why, the, why God can be so um, harsh in a sense. Some people get many opportunities, second, third, fourth, 70 chances, 100 chances, 150 chances to get it right. Some people only get one. And it's not up for us to make that decision and say, God, why? I can tell you why, because God knows the heart of the man. God had to judge that. 
So it was when he had turned his back from Samuel that God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him, and the Spirit of God came upon him. Notice that again in verse 10. The Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, Is this what's happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? This doesn't mean that Saul took on the office of a prophet, but was temporarily enabled by the Spirit to prophesy with them. Again, God just giving him everything he needed to accomplish the role. Then a man there answered and said, But who is their father? And therefore it became a proverb as Saul among the prophets. And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. And Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, Where would you go? And he said, To look for the donkeys. But when he saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said to him, saying, Please tell me what Samuel said to you. And Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found, but he didn't talk to him about the kingdom. He didn't tell him what Samuel had said, how God had anointed him to be a commander over his people. So then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah, and he said to the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. But you have today... rejected your God, who saved, who himself saved you from all of your adversaries and adversities and your tribulations. And you have said to him, No, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. Now, this may sound a little interesting because uh, Samuel has already anointed Saul in Ramah, correct? Okay, but now, seven days later at least, now they're having, you know, they're meeting in Mizpah, and they're going to go through it, and he's going to present uh, Saul before the whole nation of Israel. And so to show you just how wonderful God is, even it doesn't tell us in the Scripture here, but they cast lots for the tribes, the, the, the different tr- uh, heads over those tribes, and, the, and a specific person. They cast lots, and they narrowed it down. And so it was just God's divine providence, again, in front of the people, that Saul was going to be their next leader. And so um, it says, And when Samuel, verse 20, had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen, again, through the process of lots. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen, and Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. And this is interesting because this just shows some of the the character of Saul. He was a very timid man, even though God had done great things in him and came upon him. And it may have been, you know, some people think, well, that's not so bad. He was probably a little bit timid and everything like that. It could be. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, "Has, has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hidden among the equipment. So now Saul's hiding. That doesn't really bode well for Israel's first leader when God has uh, made it very clear that you're the man and you don't want to show up. Um, That's not a very good sign. And so Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? That there is no one like him among all the people. And so all the people shouted, Long live the king. You You can see this festive thing happening. Excited about this new king. And then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty 
And he wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And you recall that um, this, um, the behavior of royalty um, back in uh, chapter 8 of this book, in verses 10 through 18, Samuel rehearsed that. And he got that from Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. We won't need to go over that because we went over that last week about the behavior of royalty, how he would take your sons and daughters, make them his own. He would take their vineyards. And finally, in verse 26 and 27, it says, And Saul also went home from there to Gabeah after being acknowledged before the nation. He goes back home to Gabeah, and valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. But some rebels said, How can this man save us? And so they despised him. And brought him no presence, but he held his peace. He held his peace. And so there we see Saul being anointed. And already you're going to see, uh, we've already read some harbingers uh, of Saul's character that are going to manifest themselves later on. And he's going to be disqualified from being Israel's king because of his disobedience. In order for God to be blessed, uh, uh, doesn't it say it's better to obey than it is to sacrifice? He's going to tell that to Saul later on. It's better to obey than to make sacrifice. I'd much rather have obedience than to go through the, the motions of having some kind of worship service and slaying an animal and the blood being poured out. I'd much rather have obedience. And see, God would have the same for you and I. He'd much rather have obedience than for us to pay homage in some way. Oh, Lord, I'll come to church all three services in a week. But yet we live like a devil the rest of the week. And he's like, you know what? I'd much rather you live like a Christian and only come once a week than to somehow think that you can kind of pay me off or make me feel good about you by you coming three days a week. He said, I'd rather you, have, I'd rather you came once and were really obedient. And there is a challenge for us. And so we need that. Just like Saul needed the Spirit of God to come upon him, we too, as New Testament believers, the Spirit of God indwelling us, we also need to be empowered from on high. Amen? Let's stand together. And let's ask him tonight and, and just say, um, Father, we come before you, Lord, and we know we can't live this life apart from you. We can't live this life... Father, without being empowered by your Spirit to, to speak and to have a right heart, to have a right attitude, Lord, we can't do this in our own power, in our own strength. It's impossible, God. It falls flat on its face. Lord, we've seen it in the Scripture. Even in the life of Peter, Peter without the Spirit, nothing happens. Peter with the Spirit, everything happens. Lord, we ask for that same filling as you see fit, Lord, make us willing and help us to pray for this often as we go every day in the morning, Lord. Would you fill us as you see fit, empower us by your Spirit for the people that we're going to encounter today, Lord, that that word that's in our heart will come forth with boldness and that our love would be exemplary and people would see it. Lord, would you please do that work in us? We need it, Lord especially now, especially now in our country's history, the church needs the baptism and the filling of your spirit. 
Would you please do that in each of us this week, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm sorry. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.